morning. Today's text is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying about a single hour of your, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of those. If if not is how God clothes the grass of the field, why is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire? Will he not much more clothe you, <laughs> you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, why, what shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kindness and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Perfect. You may be seated. Good, good. Good, good, good. Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to have you all here with us this morning. Uh, this is the uh, second to last week in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, which is funny because if, you're, if you've looked at through your Bibles recently uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, we have a lot more to cover. And the truth of the matter is, is that I bit off more than I can chew, which is a common, occur which is a common occurrence in my life, to be honest with you. I very often, uh, my eyes are a little bit bigger than my stomach in terms of what I can cover, because when we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, uh, I, I like to get into the minutiae of the scriptures. And so uh, this week, we are talking about worry, and then next week, we are going to talk about not judging others, and then... Uh, the following Sunday, which is the 25th, I believe, is Palm Sunday. So we'll celebrate Palm Sunday together. And then the week following that is the big one, Easter. Uh, and along those lines, Ashley has created a couple things for you to uh, invite your friends. She already mentioned Facebook, and that is a great way to do that. But we also wanted to make it easy for you to invite anyone in and around your life who you think might want to come to church that day. And the first thing we created was this. This is a business card size invitation to Easter Sunday. Um, on the back of it is just the time and our website and our address. Yes. And on the front is just our Easter logo. Uh, most people will come if you invite them. Most people will. And they will definitely come if they see how wonderful our graphics are. So, uh, so if, you, uh, if you have anyone in your life that you've been thinking, man, this person is unchurched, this person uh, hasn't had... Uh, doesn't really attend anywhere regularly, this is a great way to invite them. And the second thing you can do uh, is use this little card to invite them to our Easter egg hunt. The, surprisingly enough, an Easter egg hunt is even lower pressure than Easter Sunday. <laughs> uh, and one, like Ashley said, it's a wonderful way to invite. So we have, I think we have those in stacks of like four or five out there on the coffee bar. So you can swing by and grab one of those. You can roll, roll them up in the toilet paper at Applebee's. And so when they pull it out, this falls out. No. That's, oh, that's a horrible thing to do. Uh, that's, no, it's bad. Uh, you can do all kinds of things. 
uh, it's just a good way to invite your friends to church. All right? All right. Thank you, Lord. So this day, we are talking about worry. Worry. And uh, to be honest with you, when I was looking over the, the passages of Scripture we had to cover today, the part of the reason I chose worry was because over the last, I don't know, four or five months have been probably some of the most worry-filled months of my life. So this is an aspirational serv- uh, sermon. This is one of those sermons that I'm speaking to you, but in many ways, I'm speaking directly into my own heart. I have, in, to a certain extent, become a little bit of a worrier. I've had trouble focusing, right? I've seen my mind uh, kind of move to worry and concern at times when I should be doing other things. I've been having these kind of late-night nightmares that'll wake me up. I had one last night that uh, are really disturbing and, and cause me to worry. And then I lay awake in bed for three or four hours just worrying, and I go and check all the doors and make sure they're locked, right? There's this kind of sense of worry that's kind of settled on me, and I want to be free of that, to be honest with you. And so when I was reading this passage, I thought, I need to dig into this. But, you know, I have this sneaking suspicion, and most pastors do, that when something is pertinent to us, it is not just pertinent to us. It is also pertinent and important to uh, the people who we pastor, to the people who we communicate to. And so this morning, I wouldn't be surprised if there are people in this room who are also like me, that are worrying as well, that are, that are troubled, that, that are feeling a sense of stress or anxiety that's kind of rising slowly in the back of your mind. You know, uh, the truth is, in our day and age, there is an endless amount of things that we can worry about, isn't there? That worry is, the water level of worry is just kind of slowly rising in our culture. We have more technology, we have more financial resource, we have more access to leisure than any other generation in the history of the world. And yet, and yet, I think we're worrying more than ever before. The list of things that we can worry about, and I compiled an exhaustive list here, is incredible, right? We worry about the weather, I do in particular. We worry about our kids, right? We worry about our job. We worry about money. We worry about catching the flu, right? We worry about foodborne pathogens. Uh, we worry about job security. We worry about politics. We worry about what people think about us. We worry about our weight. We worry about all manner of things, and they're always kind of running through our head, aren't they? There is really nothing in our lives, nothing we could experience that we can't find a way to worry about. We all know what a weight that worry is on our shoulders, right? That kind of burden that we can carry around that weighs us down. And then this, uh, and really, I think, this time that we're in, this, uh, this uh, time in history, this cultural moment, is a time where worry and anxiety are becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, the you know, the anxiety disorders are the most common form of mental illness in the United States. Roughly 40 million people in the United States, that's like 18-ish percent of the population, deal with anxiety as a clinical disorder. And that number is actually going up. It's not going down. 
uh, one uh, article in the New York Times last year called America's New Anxiety Disorder describes our current time in this way. It says, there is a bleakness in the atmosphere and a consensus on what to call it, anxiety. And then it goes on to describe a little bit of what causes that anxiety. According, according to Michael Dugas, a psychologist at the University of Quebec, feelings of anxiety are closely connected to an inability to handle uncertainty. What might make human beings less anxious, it seems, is having a firmer sense of what in the world is happening and what is likely to happen next. According to this author, in our current cultural moment, people seem to be unable to deal with what is happening around them. They're unable to take in the sense data and really understand or to put it in a framework that makes sense. So we're thrown into this kind of confusion as a group of people about uh, the present, there's uncertainty about that, and then about uh, the uncertainty about the future, about what will happen, because we don't feel like we know. We don't feel like we can get our hands around what is going to happen to us in the future. And so that creates this kind of anxious condition. And so one way to deal with the, the anxiety or the fear or the unknowing or the uncertainty is simply, one way our brains cope with it, is to worry about it, right? If you don't know or you're out of control, right, a natural impulse that every one of us has is to worry, to look forward into the future, not with hope, but with fear, with trepidation, thinking that by somehow by throwing our thoughts into the future and worrying about what might come our way, that we can in some way, shape, or form control it, right? It's a sense of control. It's a grasping for control. But that turns out not to be the case at all. And this is what worry tries to do. It tries to control us. And, it, and, it, and in a sense, in an in a attempt to control the future, ruins our present circumstances. This is the way uh, Pastor John Ortberg puts it. He says, worry always tries to get me to live in a future that I cannot control and miss the present where I can know gratitude, where I can know gratitude. What, wor what worry really does is it robs us of our present joy. It robs us of joy in, the, in this present moment. It causes us to live in a future that we cannot control and holds us back from experiencing all that God has for us in this moment. I think all the humans in the room know what we're talking about here, right? I think we all understand that we've, the ways in which we've allowed worry to creep in to our days and rob us of our joy, and rob us of our joy. But luckily for us, Jesus, in this, in this Sermon on the Mount, addresses this distinctly human problem of worry. He addresses it head on. He talks about it. Actually, he gives us a cure for worry. But the challenge is this morning, are we open to it? Because some of us just really like to worry, right? Some of us have been worriers since we were little kids, and we can't seem to find our way free of it. But if we're open, if we're open our spiritual ears this morning, I think that God, uh, we can read in the Sermon on the Mount this antidote that God has for us about how to deal with our worry, or at least how to begin to deal with our worry. We're all at different phases, right, in this challenge of dealing with worry. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. 
And, th- and it's there that we read these incredible words of Jesus, beginning in 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life, a single minute to your life? Now, can we just stop right here for a second and practically realize how unbelievable these words of Jesus are? I think we read things in Scripture all the time, particularly the words of Jesus, and we can kind of just gloss over them as being insignificant or just things we've heard a lot of times before. Maybe it's familiarity that just breeds uh, our, our desire to just kind of gloss over what he's saying here. But notice that this is not a commandment. It's an encouragement. The Scriptures tell us, and, and this is why it's so important that we kind of grasp this. The, the Scriptures tell us that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God the one who was present at the very beginning of creation, the one through whom and by whom everything you see and everything you experience came into being. And in this passage of Scripture, the God of the universe stoops down and he says to us, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry. You know, I have two little kids, and little kids get scared a lot. It's kind of one of the things they're best at. They're fearful of a lot of stuff. Maybe it's a certain part of a show. I started letting uh, Elliot watch the second Star Wars, you know, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and he can't watch the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth Vader. It's just too much, um, which I keep telling him is the best part, but he'll get there. So maybe, so maybe it's a part in a movie, right? Maybe it's just the dark. My daughter, Nora, is literally scared of every single bug. That every single bug is a scary, scary bug right? And, but one of my primary responsibilities as a father is to stoop down and to usually put my arms around them and to say this, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. And this is what Jesus is doing in this passage, I think. And some of you just need to hear that. You can go. No, stay. Uh, some of you just need to hear that, right? That, that here in this passage, the God of the universe, the one who created everything and who is in ultimate control says, you don't have any reason to worry. You don't have any reason to worry. Now, that's very, very hard for us to believe, isn't it? Because we've experienced all types of things and our brains are constantly telling us to worry. But if you get one thing from today... If you let one thing kind of penetrate into your mind today, may it be that, that the God of the universe wants to look you in the face and tell you that you have no reason to worry anymore, that you have no reason to worry, and that all of the things that keep us up at night, all of the things that, uh, that make us wake up from a scary dream and check all the doors in the house, right, all of those things pale in comparison to the love that the God of the universe has for us. If you walk away with that today, great. Good on you. You don't have to listen to any more of this. But Jesus goes on in this passage and because he doesn't just stop with this encouragement, which is good, because he doesn't just say, don't worry, and then walk away, right? He actually gives us some practical 
uh, examples of ways or things to practice so that we become people who worry less. Or he gives us some ways to combat the worry that we find in our own hearts and minds. And this uh, practical advice is often missed, I think, when we read this passage. Because when we read this advice, this, at least what he says here first, we often see it as just an illustration of the point that he's making. But I think it's more than an illustration. I think it's part of his point. Uh, and it is actually quite true. He says this beginning in verse 28. He says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I call this, wor- this encouragement here, stop worrying, go outside. That's what I call it. Jesus wants us to stop thinking about all the stresses of life and to get outside into his creation. This is, it's very practical, but I think it's very true. Seriously, Jesus wants us to see and experience the joy of his creation. Getting away from technology, which is always helpful. Getting away from the hustle and bustle putting down our phones, and just enjoying God's good world, right? This is one of the best ways that we can remind ourselves that, in fact, God is in control. He is sovereign over everything, and we live in His world. When we, get it, when we stay inside our houses and we stay connected to technology, we can get very wrapped up in things that cause us a great bit of anxiety. But if we get out into God's creation that has this way of calming us down. Looking at the world God has created calms us and helps us put our lives in proper perspective. And perspective, very often when we're worrying, is one of the primary things that we need. If you're wondering, Nick, I'm not tracking with this. In Psalm 19, this is what the psalmist, psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have, they have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the earth. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming, coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. Getting outside enjoying all that God has made, watching a sunset or a sunrise even, can't help us but be reminded of the fact that it is all His, all of it is His, that the rising and setting of the sun is not dependent on your or my ability to do anything in our lives, and that we are loved, and that we are loved. So, uh, go outside. Stop worrying, go outside, is that point. Um, You know, in the olden days, when people needed to convalesce, when they needed to recover from an illness, they would go out to the country, right? Ashley and I have been watching, uh, we watched The Crown on Netflix, and when Queen Elizabeth needed to, like, that's her name, right? Queen Elizabeth? I got it. Uh, when when, When she needed to recuperate, she went out to the country, right? You breathe some fresh air and, and get, and get revitalized by nature, right? This is what people used to do. Now we just watch Netflix, which is less effective, <laughs> though I learned that from Netflix. So, who knows? It's a quandary. 
uh, if, you're, if you're ever in need of help with understanding some of the ways that uh, nature functions in our spirituality, one of the, a great book to read is uh, C.S. Lewis's autobiography. It's called Surprised by Hope. It's beautiful, and he has this wonderful way of incorporating his relationship with God and his relationship with the land together. It's one, really wonderful. So you can pick that book up. It's a quick read. All right, there's number two. So after Jesus tells us about going outside... Uh, he gives us one more encouragement. He gives us one more encouragement. He gives us one more way of engaging with God that helps us to put away worry, to worry less, to step into God's world in a way that where we don't carry anxiety with us. And in verse 31, he says this, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? You know, the two big things, right? What do I put in my body to keep me alive? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, one of the primary, and we've said this already, one of the primary causes of anxiety in our culture is anxiety or uncertainty about the future about what is coming down the pike of time at me. For me, one of the main reasons that I've been given to worry in the last couple of months is because of this fear of an uncertain future. What's going to happen next? In and around our lives in the last year, we've experienced some things that have just injected a little bit of fear, a little bit more uncertainty. And life has this way of doing that to us, doesn't it? Those of us who have experienced tragedy in any form, anything truly difficult, most certainly know that when bad things happen to us, there is this seed of kind of uncertainty that's placed in our minds. And this causes us to look forward into the future with a kind of nervousness, a, a trepidation. It's like when something bad happens in our lives, this kind of hole opens up in our hearts. And the floodgates are now open, and we begin asking, so this bad thing happened to me once, so what's going to happen next? What bad thing is coming down the pike at me next? Anybody who's experienced any type of difficulty or tragedy in their life knows this feeling, right? And it's, it's a hard one to put away. It's incredibly difficult to put away. Like, I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was saying to my, to my parents in their kitchen that... Uh, a bad thing happened. I've seen a bad thing happen now. And now, it, and in my life pri previous to that, I hadn't seen very many bad things happen. And so now it just felt like the floodgates were open, right? That there was, it was just all the possibilities, all the bad possibilities were out on the table and now anything could happen, right? That, that, and this is what happens to us. But Jesus says, can any one of you by worrying one uh, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. This is, what Je this is the question that Jesus asks us. Our worry does not prevent bad things from happening. It doesn't. It can't. It just makes sure that we won't enjoy the good things that are happening now, right? But Jesus uh, proposes a kind of antidote to our fear and uncertainty in this passage. He says it in verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's talking about God, and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, don't worry, essentially, 
He says, don't worry, because in the light of, uh, of the eternal future in the kingdom, you have nothing to worry about. Don't worry, because in the light of the eternal future of the, in the kingdom, you have nothing to worry about. Christians, Christians believe in an ultimate, that our ultimate future is secure, that our ultimate reality is secure in the hands of God. But belief and trust are two very different things, aren't they? The promise of the Scriptures is a good and hopeful future in the kingdom of God. This is the promise of the Scriptures. But the challenge of life is to grow in our ability to trust Jesus that that future is actually secure. Basically, it's to believe Jesus, right? The challenge is to believe what he says in this passage. Now, this truth about the certainty of a good future in the kingdom of God is really all over the scriptures. You, can't, you can barely open your Bible in the New Testament and not read about this. Uh, so I just put up a smattering of passages here. The first is from John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is Jesus in John 16. In John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In, Rome, in Romans, the Apostle Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Psalm 46, God is my refuge and my strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The band could come up. All of these scriptures carry the same idea, don't they? They all do. No matter what happens to us, there is a God who cares so much more than for us, so much more than anything else in all of creation. And the key to not worrying is learning to trust in that fact, in the fact that you and I are astonishingly cared for, and that the kingdom of God is in the, the future in the kingdom of God is secure that you and I are astonishingly cared for, and that our future in the kingdom of God is secure. God does not want you to worry. He doesn't want you to worry. He wants you to depend on Him. To seek first His kingdom. To look to Him as the source of our lives. And when we worry, when we're troubled, when we, when we look into the future, trying to control it with fear and trepidation, he wants us then to look to him, to look to the reality and to begin the process of trusting God afresh and anew and to believe, to believe that our future is secure in him. 
that it's true that we really don't have anything to worry about, that we, that we do not have anything to worry about. You know, the next question then is what are you, why are you worried? Why are you worried this morning? What is worrying you? Because there's something, right? There's something that troubles all of us. What shocks you awake in the middle of the night, right? What keeps you paralyzed in fear and keeps you from the good things that God has for you in the right here and the right now? Jesus invites us today to step out from the worry and anxiety of our day-to-day life. That's what he does. And he invites us to step in, uh, to step in under the reign of his kingdom. To step out from under regret of the past and our worrisome fear of the future and to dwell in our lives now, to dwell in this place, in this moment, in today, knowing that we rest firmly in the hands of a God who loves us this morning. That's what he wants. So now there are some of you in this place, it's possible, that may not feel the comfort of that truth. Because when you really look at your heart, you said, I don't know if I've known a God like this. A God who says, don't worry, whatever happens, I have you. Well, this morning, that God wants to meet with you and all of us. He wants to not just tell us, but to speak directly into our hearts and show us that he does love us that much. And as you give your life over to him, what, what you will end up discovering is that there is, in fact, nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be worried about. Stuff will come your way. Life will happen. Difficulty will most certainly arise. You might even die. But not one bit of it can ultimately rob you of your life if your life does not belong to you. Rather, your life belongs the one who made it and the one who holds it secure in his hand. And that, that God, that God, the God of the scriptures has, has promised, has promised to bring about the redemption of the entire world, a resurrection it's called in the scriptures, the likes of which none of us have ever seen. So here today, this morning. Here's what I want us to do together, if that's okay. If you're in this place and you have never known this love, you say, I don't believe in an eternal future in the kingdom of God because I don't know Jesus. This is a good place for you to be this morning. Today's your day. You can give your life over to Jesus. It's something you can do at any moment of the day. And the God of the universe who is knocking at the door of your heart will step into your life and give you hope this morning. And if you're in this place and you follow Jesus, but you're like me and you've been worried, you've been, you've been uh, heavy laden is a good biblical word to describe it. You've been carrying recently more than you should be carrying. Worrying, worry and anxiety have kind of crept into your mind. They seem to have burrowed down into the back of your brain. I want to pray for you this morning that the God of the universe would be near you 
that you would hear him stoop down, look you in the face, and say, there's nothing to worry about. That you would see that your life is held within the sovereign hand of God, and that you are astonishingly loved. That you are cared for in ways that you can't even comprehend. And, the, and just as this God resurrected Jesus from the dead, one day, every dead and broken thing that we see in the here and now will be resurrected with Christ. In Christ, our eternal future in the kingdom is secure. We don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to worry about. So, here's what I want us to do. If you're in this place, if everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're in this place, and worry has become an issue for you, if you would just raise your hand briefly, I'd just like to pray for you specifically. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And if you're in this place and you say, gosh, you know, I don't know if I know a Jesus like that that wants to bring me comfort and peace that doesn't want me to worry. If you just raise your hand, I'd just like to see that. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, this morning, when we reach our hands out to you, we know that in the midst of our lives, we don't have any ability to counteract the worry that is so prevalent in and around, in and around us. We live in a culture of anxiety. We live in a world where there's just the next bill and the next thing and the next medical emergency and the next problem that's going to arise. And all that we can do, we think, is worry about it. But we know that you are a God who longs for us to trust you, to not be worried about what may or may not happen, but instead to look to the hand of a God who loves us, to realize that we are uh, infinitely secure in that place and that your goodness and your grace are here present for us today. So I pray for all of those in this place who are worrying, God. I pray for my own heart that you would help us to, to see into the reality of what you have for us, of who you are, that we would hear you say to us as the creator and sustainer of everything we know, that, that we are safe, that we have nothing ultimately to worry about, and that we are sitting in the easy chair of the one who created the entire universe. God, would you be with us this season in our lives? And as we approach this season we call Easter, God, as we approach this time when we look afresh and anew at the resurrection of Jesus and we, and we uh, cling to this hope of resurrection in our own lives, God, would you make that more and more real to us in these coming weeks? That, that the resurrection, that the renewal of all things, that that time when all of the broken things will be put back together will become a, a beacon of hope, a white hot fire in our hearts that would convince us again and again and again that the fact that we don't have anything to worry about that, and that we're held within your hand, that we're astonishingly loved in the hand of our creator, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures that tell us to do things like not worry because life would really be hard if you didn't say stuff like that to us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we pray it all in your name. Amen.
right. All right. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Well, we hope to see you back next week. Go today in the grace and in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.